You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. And welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and I'm sitting here trying to keep a straight face, but you're making it not easy for me, with uh, (laughs) a chef that many of you will know his face and once he starts talking... You'll know his voice as well. Alistair McLeod, how are you? It's Conway. I am top of the world, thank you. Now, look, you've done so many things. I mean, obviously, you're from Uzbekistan with that accent. Do you know what? <laughs> I am... Fair dinkum. I, I, am, I am from... This is, this is where I am from. Don't tell me you're not there. You're not from there. I was totally joking because you're very Irish. But... No, I am from here. This is, what? This is, this is where... Is this just something you do to kind of, you know... How long have we Paul got? Chicks? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> How long have we got? Like, my grandfather, Thomas Aloysius Guevara, was born on Arab Island. Arab Island is in the eastern Torres Strait. I've never even heard of it. It is. Well, that's a, that, that is the, the far outer limits. That is, wow, you know, like the front... Wow, like Arnhem Land, move on. The frontier of Australia. You're Gosh. 150 miles from New Guinea. Wow. And, and so he moved down to Cairns. They lived in Malay Town, which is down where the marina is now, yeah. down where the hipsters make nice coffees. And it's where all the coloured people lived. Yes. This is Malay Town. Yes. And so and they lived, uh, they bought a house on 22, 22 James Street, which you can go to today. It's bisected, <laughs> interestingly, it's bisected by McLeod Street. Hilarious. Which, which would have been the, 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 the man that my mother met so many years later. But I am very much uh, rooted in North Queensland. My mother is an old St Monica's girl in, oh. in Cairns. So is this accent real or are you just putting it on? But then she went <laughs> travelling. Then she went travelling and met my daddy. And and she put down roots in in Northern Ireland, you know, Gosh. right at the point, right at the point where everything was going, going crazy, going and crazy. Awful. But I suppose it proves narrative. It shows that it's the people that make a place. That's and right. she stayed there, uh, and and I was the result. And but I've not I've not lived here longer than I lived there. Well, your accent's still working for you. It's a bit novelty. Australians love it. Do you know? I read the other day in the paper, mm. the Irish accent is voted by the Australians across the world. As the sexiest accent. Last accent. time I went home to Ireland, and I went round, and I went round the corner from my mummy's house. My mummy now lives with us in, in Brisbane, yeah. and, and I said to the girl in the shop, I said, "Guess where I'm from?" And she said, "I can't pick it." Oh. And I said, "I'm around <laughs> the corner." <laughs> oh my gosh! Now you've done so many different things. Mm. You, we've all watched you out cook other people on Ready, Steady, Cook. Yes. Sometimes you fail. Oh. I, don't, I don't like those days. Did you see those episodes? You know what? I have seen a couple. Mm. I think it was rigged. I tell you, I've got a young daughter and she came down one time <laughs> and she was in the audience, so I'm sort of going, well, that's a couple of votes, you know. <laughs> if, if you're not cheating, you're not trying kind of thing. And I was on the tomato team and there was some other mug on the other side, that Phil, Phil Dell fellow or that something. That Massimo Millet or someone. Yeah, him. And... And I, I, and it was, and the host at the time was Colin Lane was the host. And he said, "Hold those cards up now." And I sort of peeked. Her. I was ready. To, I was thinking of my acceptance speech and stuff. And I could look up, and I could see my daughter had a bloody green cap. Oh, come on. No. And I said to her, "Don't worry, I still won, Nerda. Don't worry, I still won." But I, but I went over to Sasha and I said, "Sasha, what?" She said, "I don't like tomatoes, Daddy." Mm. I went, "What?" Okay, and also you don't like those new Nikes you've been on yeah, off either. exactly, exactly. So tell me what you're doing at the moment. I have a catering business in a place called Brisbane, and I tell you, 
as someone who's cooked for so many years, when you're in a restaurant, you know, it, there's, there's an element of repetition to working yes. in a restaurant, yes. you know. And there's also, you go to the waiters, hey, did Tibble 36 enjoy their meal? And they go, yeah, chef, yeah, they loved it. And they think you're awesome too. Yes. There's that sense of just a routine. But when you're in, you have a catering business, you're in people's homes, you're in their offices. It's, it's what's the word? It's visceral. It's yes. primal. Okay. And, you know, cooking is a job where you don't need to wait for the quarterly report, mm. for the ratings, for the, mm. the, the figures. You, you know your place in the universe when someone comes into their kitchen and you're doing their bloody washing up and they say, handsome Alistair, they say. <laughs> That's what they say. They say, that was beautiful. And, and you know, you immediately know your place in the universe. And, you know, I think it was, I think it was Mark Twain that said that you can live on compliments, you know. Really? I don't know for how long, Mr. Twain, but it's a wonderful thing, yes. you know. And so to, to get back to cooking at its most sort of, sort of uh, elemental is a, is a real joy for me. I've never enjoyed my cooking so much, you oh, know. That's so great. Mm. I mean, it's so great to enjoy what you do for a, lob, a job, a lob and a job. Yeah. Because you're there all day, every day doing it. Like, it takes up a lot of your time. I mean, I, 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 the whole sort of genesis of how I like to cook is, is comes from that whole notion that you can't, I don't know if you can say this, um, polish a turd. Yes. You, you can't, you know, and try as you might. And cooking is probably, mm. fair income, 5% technical skills. Cooking is about zeal. It's about fervour. It's about passion it's yes. about confidence it's not about oh i know how to fill up the fish really fast yes. or i know how. it's not about yes. that you know because once you know how to make hollandaise yep you know how to make all the derivatives once yes. you know how to and so it it, it 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 really it's about the produce and really and that's what spencer and reina have created oh, th- this amazing. weekend is this wonderful love letter this wonderful showcase to shine the spotlight not on those celebrity chefs but on the produce on the producers on the region at the right time of year and you know they've got all the ducks lined up and and that's why it's so successful that's why all this talent is here and i think also because everybody has such a different diverse style of cooking with the same beautiful produce that's in season at the moment for example and that have come from the tablelands and and everywhere in this region which is a food bowl as we've sort of found Mm. out through these chats um what you would do with a finger lime is different to you know what colin fastage would do with the finger lime both irish see what i did there I mean, we're from a country, we're geographically close, but culturally miles apart. (laughs) (laughs) And fashion sense. Yeah, that's right. Far, far apart. But, you know, I mean, I think the the whole food conversation has has changed or is changing. And Mm. it's moving on from being this whole uh, 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 veneration of the chef and the celebrity. And it's about the produce and the producers. I think it's a good place to be. And there's also a real sense. And talking to all the chefs, we had a wee... Um, glass of um, macchiato earlier, not, and <laughs> and talking about how they're cooking, and there's a real mm. there's a real understanding mm. that there's no correlation between how tricky a dish is and how delicious it is, yes. and that speaks of confidence, I think, yes. and it speaks and, and it's a wonderful sort of uh, moment in the in in the zeitgeist of where we're at on this culinary journey. That was a big word. It was a very big word. I don't actually know what it means. I'm going yeah, to Google it later. Yeah. But it sounded very impressive. <laughs> and I also think, and I've learned this from my personal experience, yes. sometimes if you also mock up the confidence that may not really be there and you tell your diners, and I'm referring to my children when I say yeah. this, <laughs> uh, my harshest critics, that um, this is awesome, you're going to like it, it's really tasty, it's great, they'll go, uh, okay, and even if it's not fantastic, 
you'll still get a little win. Now to Conway, we've got 11 teen <laughs> chefs here, food commentators, wine scribes, these passionate people. And honestly, everything you eat is either sweet, sour, salty, bitter or umami. So no matter what they tell you, it comes down to a, very, a small amount of elements. And if it's bland, I'm not interested. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. You're doing the washing up. Um, okay, so what are you doing here? What are your duties? It's a wonderful thing. I have the opportunity to work alongside, really, probably Queensland's second best chef, a fellow <laughs> by the name of Matt Galinsky. Um, he may be standing right behind me. And we are doing uh, a dinner um, using product exclusively from tropical North Queensland at Salsa. What is uh, your dish? Uh, I'm doing a cobia. Okay. Oh, oh this is just... Uh, our interview is going to go over because I have to just tell you. Tell me. Please. I have caught a cobia. You've not caught a cobia. I've caught a cobia you that was cobia? bigger than you. I'm not joking you. You're it was a, a monster. I'm a legend. I'm such a good fish person. And, fish did, person. and did you treat it simply? Did well, you? I was on holidays. Yes. And I caught it in Noosa, actually. You name so dropper. No. I caught a cobia that was five foot six and a half, you're saying. And you caught it in where the, where the posh people live in Noosa. I did. And I thought that I had a snag. And I was saying to the people on the yacht, on the boat, I've got a snag, my line's gone dead. And they kept saying, stop whinging. I was the only female on the boat. Stop whinging. Just the boat will move around eventually. It'll come free. So sure enough, I'm reeling it in. It took me an hour and I'm thinking, you know what? Ka-ching, ka-ching. This is costing me a fortune. And my <laughs> line is still not, nothing's happening. Yeah. And just as I was about to have a massive dummy spit, the line went limp. And I thought, oh, thank God. So I started reeling it in and looked over the edge and went, I've got Moby Dick on the line. <laughs> And it took three grown men to hoik it into the boat and they're saying, how the bloody hell did you get that this far? And I'm like, well, I have guns and uh, I've hoiked my three children around for years, so it's all paid off today. Anyway, we took one fillet, one side back, and we had fish curry, sashimi, fish on toast for breakfast. We had cobia morning, noon and night for about... Three days, and by that point, we thought we just can't eat another bit of cobia. So we were giving it away in slabs to the restaurants, wow. and that's only half of it that we took. But it was the most wonderful experience. Well, listening to what you prepared there, Nerida Conway, you start Monday. <laughs> you can't afford me, sorry. <laughs> Too busy. Anyway, this has been Alistair McLeod. Such a joy chatting to you. And um, I hope to chat to you again. Is that okay? Same time next week. Same time next week. <laughs> You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. And welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and I'm sitting here in the beautifully glorious, sunny, sunny, sunny and warm Port Douglas for Taste Port Douglas Food and Wine Festival. And I've got a very special guest who honestly has been on my, if I could invite them to a dinner party conversation when people ask you this throughout your life, it would be this beautiful lady. It's Vali Little, who is the senior contributing editor of Delicious Magazine, among other things. Well, yes. I mean, I'm still very much involved with Delicious and I was there right from the start when we launched it. How long ago was that? It's um, 14 and a half years ago now. It's actually, I'm not just saying this to you because you're here, but it's my favourite food magazine of all time. I I love it. I pour over every single edition. I mean, I know that everything's shifted to online or a lot shifted to online, but I still don't feel that you can beat holding a magazine in your hand and just thumbing and pouring over the pictures and just taking it in. There's just something beautiful about that. Look, I, I, I think so too, and I can't tell you how many husbands say to me, 
My wife has every edition from, you know, the very first one because, you know, they like to go back and, you know, mark a little tab on the recipes that they love. And look, we were very lucky. We launched at a time where when the Celebrity Chef was just really starting on TV, the ABC wanted to do a magazine. Um, It was at a time where there, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of food magazines in in Australia. And, you know, it just took off and was very successful. And I was very, very lucky to be part of it. Oh, that's so exciting. So you've got two sons. I do. How old are they? Oh, 32 and 26. Okay. You look too young to have sons that age, I've got to say. (laughs) And have they been your, uh, I guess, when you were sort of cooking for them in their teen years? Because... I've got a son who's 10, but already he's just started to have his first ever real growth spurt. I cannot get enough food into him fast enough. Yeah, look, my both my sons are very sporty, and particularly my younger son, he, um, you know, when he was at school, he was captain of his rowing team and captain of his rugby team. So I seem to spend all my weekends cooking for, you know, 15 very burly uh, young, young boys. And their friends. And, and their friends. <laughs> and I was, I always say one of the best jobs I ever did, um, I was boat shed mother. <laughs> and that was every Friday night I'd go and cook for all the rowers. It was about 40 boys all together. And, um, and it was so special, you know, cooking for them. Not only because they appreciated the food, but because I knew that I was, you know, giving them something good and nutritious, ready for a big day. How did you not get roped into the Olympics? (laughs) Do you know what? I think now that that Macquarie Radio understand your skills, I reckon you'll get a call next time the Olympics is on and they're going to want you to cater. Sounds good to me, (laughs) I think. I don't know what I'm admitting or committing to, but yeah. Now, you've got... So many thousands and trillions probably of recipes that you've put pen to paper with. And I know that a lot of our listeners love the idea of writing a recipe themselves. And perhaps they take a stock standard recipe that their mother's made and they twist it and make it their own. People sort of say to me, oh, how easy or hard is it to write a recipe? For me, it's always an epic fail, without fail, because I write it down and then the next time I make it, I throw something else in and someone will say to me, that wasn't in the recipe book. That wasn't in the recipe. And I'm not a recipe follower. But when I try other people's recipes, it's very hit and miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I don't know why I think it could be because ovens differ or someone just doesn't have any clue. So how do you face that challenge of putting a recipe down that the ordinary person like myself can put together and know that it's going to turn out mostly the same as yours? I tend to keep things relatively simple. I'm about sort of creating a lovely dish that, you know, looks great, that you're proud to put on the table. But I'm not one for, you know, going and finding 30 different ingredients that are going to sit in the store cupboard for months afterwards. I have news and things. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, So, you know, I think, you know, simplicity is one of the things. Writing a recipe, when... Look, I feel so blessed to have, you know been able to work in the food industry particularly in Australia at probably the most exciting time when you know we came from a nation of meat and three veg mm. to now probably one of the most exciting countries in the world multicultural really with you all know, of our tastes we are a melting pot of different mm. cultures anything goes we're not bound by the traditions 
of food that some countries like France and Italy are. So, you know, you can have any one thing any time, a time of day. Some of the Italians in Melbourne, I've got to say, where I live, are still bound by their traditions. Well, they, uh, there's an Italian lady who comes to my house for dinner sometimes and she brings her own pasta because she won't eat anybody else's. <laughs> and look, I, I respect that. I think that that's a good thing. So, you know, when, when I'm writing a recipe, I've got, you know, I've, I've got no boundaries. Mm. So it can be really what I feel like. Yes. You mentioned I've got two sons. They are the best critics of all. You know, I, I, I try and test recipes endlessly to make sure I'm happy before they go in a book or the magazine. Mm. And my sons would willingly tell me if they think that it's not up to scratch. Um, I think um, I write a lot of recipes during the year and I do a book a year. And by the end of the year, I'm completely devoid of another recipe. Oh, I can know? imagine. I'm, I'm brain dead. There's nothing left and I sit there like a squashed tomato for about a month. <laughs> and then I think, mm. and I do a lot of, you know, the internet's the most wonderful thing these days for research and finding out what other people are doing and looking at pictures on Instagram and sort of it, just taking inspiration from that and then making it your own. And do you have to get on board with trends in terms of, you know, when cake pops hit and um, all those sorts of things or do you just do your own thing? Mm. I'm, I Look, I'm not a fan so much of trends and I'm not a fan of these cakes these days that are six, Don't look miles, like cakes. <laughs> six miles high and full of everything, you know, from the, the kitchen thing, it's just, that's not my style of food at all. But you know, I I understand what you know that it's important to keep up to date with what's going on with food, and and I think it's also interesting. You know, I, the other day I was actually testing a recipe that had seaweed in it. And I thought at the time, goodness me, I'm, you know, I didn't think I'd ever be cooking with seaweed. But, you know... It's a just, thing. It's it going to be a thing. It's a thing. It's mm. healthy. You sustainable. Know. Yeah, sustainable. <laughs> you know, it has amazing flavour. Yeah. So why not give it a yeah. try? So, so you're always learning as well. Oh, every day. Mm. And I say that's one of the great things of being in food is you do learn something new mm. every day. Wow. What's, I know this is very, very hard. It would be like saying pick one of your sons to keep but what's okay I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down to four then four of your favorite standby recipes that you would make just in a kind of a busy working week okay well look I love um curry I love spicy flavors so I've got a lot of very quick curries that I put together um you know, on a, on a good day, I'd make my own curry paste. Mm. You know, if I'm busy, I, I, I wouldn't. But I always make sure I've got lots of fresh herbs, you know, to keep that fresh, freshness there. So there'd always be a curry. Um, I think a roast, you know, a beautiful roast chicken, good quality chicken with roast vegetables. You can't go past No, you can't. Like we all love a roast. Absolutely it's absolutely delicious. It's who we are. <laughs> exactly. I'm a bit of a soup girl, which sounds a crazy thing to say when we're in the 30-degree heat in Port Douglas. I don't know if I'd be a soup girl up here, but I do love... I think soups are one way of using seasonal vegetables. So in summer, lovely chilled soups, and then in winter, you know, rich and hearty ones. And then, look, there's got to be a dessert in there, and it would probably be something... I love citrus, so it would be... You know, a lemon delicious or something like that, I think. Oh, yum. I just feel so sorry for your boys' partners when they come on board because they can't compete with you. Oh, 
you know, people say... I hope, I hope they're good at cleaning. <laughs> and you, you said, you, you know, it'd be great to have me for dinner. I, people say to me, oh, you know, I'm so nervous having you for dinner. And I think to myself, just please give me a barbecue chop. I'd love that. You know? As long as you don't have to make it yourself for once. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Vali Little, it has been such an absolute honour and just a blessing to chat to you. And um, I just, you know... You can still see some of Valley's work if you buy Delicious because you're still in there. And also the back catalogues. I saw somebody selling them the other day on Gumtree. Really? And there was a fierce bidding war going on. Oh, my goodness. And a a book a year. Yes, and a book a year. I know, they're amazing. Just about to shoot the new one. Oh, can you tell us what it's called? It's called My Kind of Food. Oh, excellent. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like it was made especially for me. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're listening to Macquarie Radio's NTS, What's Cooking? You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and sitting with me in this most glorious setting of the Sheraton Mirage Hotel in Port Douglas is Alla Wolf-Tasker from the Lake House in Dalesford in Victoria. How are you, Alla? Oh, I'm pretty good now that I've landed in this tropical paradise. Oh, it's heaven, although you are here to officially work. Yes. What are you doing here at Port Douglas? Okay, so it's Taste of Port Douglas or Taste Port Douglas, which is such a good idea because we've been coming up here for 30 years Mm -hmm. and I've always been staggered at the wonderful produce that's around and been surprised that it isn't profiled a lot more and people don't know about it down south. Is a lot of it exported to the eastern states? Uh, Well, I think it must be. Mm. I think it must. I think it travels all over Australia. But Mm. if you have ever experienced the Sunday market here, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, beautiful bunches of turmeric tied up Mm. in in string. You know, these are a few of my favourite things. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, um, Taste Port Douglas is a festival, and uh, and I'm doing a demo and a few panels um, and joining in the fun with some industry colleagues. And how wonderful to catch up and everyone share their ideas and their news with each other. Now, you are the co-owner and um, executive chef of the Lake House at Dalesford, and I need to tell you, that was my first ever fine dining experience. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> How long ago? A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, Lake House has been... It's really interesting. It's sort of developed a pattern over the years of uh, people remember specific celebrations. They come for celebrations, for engagements, for anniversaries, for get-togethers with friends that they haven't seen for ages. People bring people from overseas. So it's, it really feels comfortable for me. And I have so many people that come and say, we've been touched by the place in yes. some way. And so it's a, it's a real privilege. How did you come up with the entire concept of it? Did you grow it? gradually did you just kind of open it and go bang here it is oh well it's nothing like it was when we opened we opened our doors at the end of 1983 really the beginning of 1984 so a long time ago I mean most of the people I work with weren't born then so it gives you some perspective <laughs> look it, it was a it was a ridiculous story really because I trained in France um, I, my parents were Russian immigrants uh, into Australia and they were great cooks Domestic cooks, but they good borscht. Yes, a, oh. good everything. Actually, my father was a great was a great cook, and so was my mother. And uh, they uh, so they enjoyed cooking. But when I said I want to cook professionally, mm. and I could never imagine doing anything else, and I wanted to have a restaurant, they just fell about laughing because <laughs> they came to Australia to make good. So they wanted a lawyer, or a dentist, or a doctor, or something. 
So being a, an only child, post-war only child, I did the dutiful daughter thing and went to, you know, did a detouring to tertiary study. But all of the time... What did you study? Oh, psychology, Russian, English literature. Which is all very helpful for your job now. <laughs> psychology was, trust me. So um, they... but. Every time there was a break between lectures or holidays or anything, I worked in restaurants from the ground up. But this was the 70s, so restaurants in Australia weren't exactly brilliant. You know, they really weren't. They were pretty ordinary. But um, as soon as I finished that degree and I'd saved up money, I took myself off to France and, you know, what a revelation. A centuries-old culture of food and... The places that really resonated with me were the ones that were in the country, Michelin-starred restaurants in the country that the Michelin starred, uh, the Michelin Guide called Worthy of a Journey, and they were just amazing. And all of the things that we think about now, that produce arriving in the morning with dew still on it, the farmer brings it in, chef would know the farmer. Quite often it was a second-generation relationship. All of that was happening back then, you know. They were so far advanced, whereas in Australia... Um, no one ever travelled to the country mm. in search of good food. Well, you'd go to the Bunyip pub and get a good palmer. Maybe. <laughs> if you were lucky. <laughs> if you were lucky. Or Devonshire tea in yeah. a cafe. There were no destination restaurants. Yeah. So I had this vision of, you know, what I wanted to create. Of course, we had no money and there was really no resources for it. And also I hadn't thought about why there weren't any destination mm. restaurants in Australia. Fortunately, when I came back, I met my husband, who's an artist, but he could also draw and and construct he could oh, wow. build so that was i think the universe was smiling at us Gosh. and but also he's a really acquiescent chap so when i said to him darling i want to have a restaurant in the country he said why not oh. well except now if you asked why not i mean there was a zillion yes. reasons why we shouldn't have done it oh. sometimes uh, ignorance is bliss isn't it <laughs> well you know we hadn't thought about why dalesford was so cheap we hadn't yeah. thought about why no one had destination restaurants mm. in australia you know there were no small local producers there was no local trained mm. staff we had very down at heel community they were you know quite impoverished farmers yeah. so there were there were no local people who would come to the restaurant yeah. And in those days, if you opened a restaurant, certainly anywhere in the country, people would come and ask for toasted sandwiches. And, you know, my opening menu was Shiraz glazed squab, goat's cheese souffle. You know, it was nuts. It was early 80s in the country. I mean, people just... So no, not even any uh, apricot chicken? No. You know, the, the, the total disconnect between the vision and the reality because we bought an old paddock, a a denuded paddock covered in car wrecks and blackberries. Is this the same location you are now, by the way? Yeah, yeah, same spot. Yes, and that lagoon area where we are now, that that was the local swamp where locals used to dump all their rubbish. And so my mother wept when she saw what we bought, but I kind of of thought, oh, waterfront land wasn't, it was swampfront land. And terribly denuded and covered with carex and blackberries and gauze. And it took us four years. We actually hand-built the first building, coming up on weekends, living in a caravan and then going back to Melbourne and working. So it was a real labour of love. Because apart from, from not working out why nobody really thought of having a destination restaurant in Australia before, we had no money. So we kind of built as we had money. Yeah. Um, and as our energy flag, we'd stop a bit. And during this time, Larissa was born. Oh, so just to add a yeah, bit more to, to the... So she was in the caravan, <laughs> squawking away while Alan and I were trying to... Build. In the caravan. In the caravan. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. It was When I think about oh. the total disconnect between the vision and the dream and uh, the reality, I mean, I can see why my mother wept. But, you know, 
three decades later, you know, the overnight success story, there yes, we are. Yes, I know, yeah. I know. But, but people drive in now and um, they see this, you know, resort and it's now a small luxury hotel and the lake's all cleaned up and there's six acres of gardens cascading down to the... It is absolutely shore. stunning. So they think it's always been that way. Yeah. So, But in fact, we started with a little unprepossessing 45-seater mm. restaurant. So... Um, it just and, makes it even more special, really, when well, you understand <laughs> the love and the blood, sweat and tears that's gone blood, into the, it. The blood, sweat and tears. But the, the greatest thing for me is that we're in our 31st year. We now have 120 staff, mm-hmm. most of whom are more like extended family than staff. But the fact that the accolades still keep rolling yes. in, that we still get chef's hats. We've got, two, we've got an accumulated 70 chef's hats mm-hmm. so far. Um, which I think is some sort of record in Australia. And And what I love about you and your place is that not only can you go there and have the most wonderful, memorable weekend or overnighter of your life, and the food is just so beautiful, Ella, honestly, but you also do masterclasses there. So you love... Yeah, and I love the fact that you have so many different chefs from all over the country... Yes. Coming to the to the lake house to do cooking classes that anybody can go to, yes. and also that you champion and showcase these smaller local producers Produce. in the area by using their ingredients yes. and talking them up. Yes. I mean, they need to make a living as well, but Absolutely. their produce is amazing and wonderful for people to know about it. Well, creating that local food culture has huge. Um, benefits for the local community. Mm. Sometimes we can't use the local produce because there's just Mm. not enough of Mm. a particular ingredient, but we always promote them and we also always send our guests to buy some of that produce Mm. because a local, like our village, that is now surrounded by small-scale artisan farmers Mm. is entirely different to the village I remember Mm. in the late 70s, which was surrounded by big ag, you know, uh, people growing one crop that was destined to go somewhere else. And now we have rare breed beef and cattle. Amazing. Pork, lamb. Mm. We have um, harvest, you know, heritage vegetables and fruit. Mm. And the wine too. Beautiful wines. Mm. It really is a real food bowl. Oh, it is. Look, if you haven't been to the Lake House at Dalesford in Victoria, there is honestly no excuse. There's no more putting it off and thinking, yes, yes, I must go there. It is, you you can't just rock up. You've got a book because very heavily booked out. Um, but Alice, and honestly, when you stay there, you must, must, must have a meal of some kind, breakfast, lunch or dinner at the lake house because it's all part of the amazing oh, experience. Really and say hello to Ella because she's beautiful and lovely and she'll chat to you, very friendly. <laughs> um, Ella, this has been Ella Wolf-Tasker from the Lake House in Dalesford in Victoria. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Neruda. You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. On Macquarie Radio NTS, this is What's Cooking with Nerida Conway, bringing you a tasty assortment of all things food and wine. Hello and welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and I'm so excited to be bringing you the show today from Case Port Douglas at the Sheraton Mirage. We'll be chatting to Chef Alex Herbert from New South Wales, also Chef Matt Galinsky from the Sunshine Coast. Alla Wolf-Tasker is joining us all the way from the Lake House in Dalesford. We're also going to be chatting to Vali Little, who's a long-standing editor and consultant now to Delicious Magazine. And honestly, Vali is one of my food heroes. I can't wait to chat to her and the legendary television slash catering extraordinaire slash consultant Alistair McLeod. You're listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. 
Guess who's coming to dinner with Nerida Conway. And welcome back. You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and I'm sitting here in the beautiful Sheraton Mirage Hotel in Port Douglas for Taste Port Douglas, which is a food and wine festival that I've never been to before. And I've managed to grab a lady that I've admired from afar, Alex Herbert, who's a chef based in Sydney. How are you, Alex? I'm very well and thank you very much. This is lovely. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Now, every, everywhere I go in the industry... Um, Lots and lots of people talk about you in a very glowing, positive way in terms of your food, your skill, your experience in the industry. Tell me, how did you get into food in the first place? I've always loved cooking. I came from a family of women who cook and my cousins, great cooks as well. And some of them have also gone into cooking professionally, not as chefs, but in the, in the field of cooking, which is really lovely to see. So it was something I'd always loved doing, but it never even occurred to me that it would be something that I would do professionally. I went to university and, um, you know, just kept thinking. What did you study? I did an arts degree majoring in history and Italian. I didn't actually end up finishing it. I decided to defer and go and do some travelling. Great idea. Yeah, well, it didn't happen. See the history. Oh, (laughs) shame. So you didn't get to see the history for yourself? No, I started cooking. I uh, was going to go and travel and I started looking at ways that I could uh, earn money and, and travel at the same time. And I thought, well, I've always loved cooking. Maybe I could get a job cooking overseas. And I had my sights set on in Paris and started asking around and one thing led to another and a friend of a friend asked Gay Bilson if she knew anywhere overseas that might be able to, you know, get me a position as a young chef or trainee chef and she said, no, but I need an apprentice and as they say, the rest is history. So I ended up not going overseas in that instance and Were you scared on your first day? Can you still remember it? I remember my two trials. I did two weekends where I went in and worked a Sunday. Sorry, what do they do for a trial? In most kitchens when you do a trial, you basically turn up for a shift, depending on your level of cooking, but generally as an apprentice you get Mm -hmm. stuck out the back. You uh, Pluck stems off rocket? Yeah. Yeah. Pick parsley, you know, you help someone with their jobs um, and basically... I think the thing about a trial is, especially when you're apprentice, it's not so much to obviously see what you know because mm. the, the presumption is not very much, mm. but it's really just to see whether or not what your personality is like. Mm. Um, if you're hardworking. If you're hardworking, if you're keen to Reliable. learn. Mm. Learning is a really big thing. And so that's kind of what a trial mm. is around um, because obviously working in the kitchen for very long hours mm. and in a small environment, trials are often very much just about, you know, well, will they fit in, mm. you know. So tell me about bird cow fish. So Bird Cowfish was the name of the first restaurant in Balmain, which in actual fact, Martin Boats came up with that name. The thing about the name was that I'd cooked with Marty for over a year down at Sailor's Tie and it was I was leaving to open up this restaurant with my mm. then husband. And my food is very simple, you know, um, even the dish I'm doing here tomorrow night at um, QT for the dinner with Matthew Kemp and Colin Fastnage. It's, it's a good old-fashioned apple crumble, but... Yum. The, my food is very much about and always has been very produce-driven and um, provenance is mm. very important to me. And so the name Bird Cow Fish was... It, it was kind of in three words. Well, it was all about... The you birds know, and the cows and the fish. The produce, yeah. <laughs> Whether it, not Obviously not restricted to those three, yeah, but it was yeah. symbolistic of the I fact that it. it was just very, very simple food based on the produce that we wanted to use. And what sort of produce... I know you don't do the markets anymore, but you produce things that are worthy of markets. And what sort of things are they and were they? So 
So when I started at the market, I still had the restaurant mm. um, and I started at the market um, for seven years ago and closed Which the restaurant. It's very tiring, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. No, they're early starts. Mm. And eventually this year, I just realised that I just was tired of getting up at 3am yeah. on a Saturday morning and feeling exhausted, yes. you know, by four o'clock. And, and I, I absolutely adored it. I was passionate about it. Mm. Um, but the time was just right. But the thing about my stall, which I'm quite proud of, is that it was quite unique in that pretty much all the food, all the ingredients that I use to create the food at my market, where possible, Mm. was sourced from the market. So all our eggs, our bread, our butter, all our fresh herbs, all the fruits that were used in the pastries, everything I could possibly get, um, the olive oil. And so, because I felt that it was a privilege to be there and I wasn't just down there, you know, just to feed people and whatever. Mm. It was, for me, it was important that I was an extension of what the market Mm. was all about. And it was, it was the full circle of, you know, from, from paddock to market to baker back to market type of cycle. That is so ridiculously gorgeous. I love that story. Are you still making any of this really cool stuff? Because I want some for Christmas. (laughs) So, not really. I'm sure your family do as well. Yeah, not really. Um, I do do the odd events and obviously I'm here this weekend um, and I've done a few Cook's Co-op lunches. But probably more and more now, um, I I focus on cooking for my friends and my family, which is something after 25 years in a kitchen, I probably didn't do very much of. And also I work uh, full-time now pretty much Mm. as a food consultant um, focusing on food strategy to the public and private sector. That's awesome. Um, Pretty much what my job now is that I find food and beverage operators for my clients' venues. So um, so they might be local council, they might be, you know, corporate groups, but quite often they need, you know, corporate caterers in their their offices Mm. or um, cafe operators in their foyer cafes or they might have a landmark building, you know, like the Shelley Beach boathouse that they need to put an operator in and I get around Sydney and behind the scenes just quietly. um... And what I love about that is that you can have some say in knowing that if I work in a big office building and I'm trapped there and I spend a lot of time there because it's my job and I don't really get out to choose what I eat and the temptation will be to bash in some chips and there's nothing wrong with chips. But I guess you've got some say in creating something that is just so much more broad for people to eat and healthier and seasonal and all that kind of thing Yeah, too. at the end of the day, that's, you know, we advise our clients that mm. this is this is what's working really well on, on the street and if you want to keep your people in the building, yeah. then, you know, you really need to be able to offer something that's benchmarked to what is going on outside of the building. Oh, my gosh, I love out. that. So I do that and then I've just actually finished editing um, the new book by Matthew Evans that Hardy Grant are publishing in October, which is For the Love of Meat and that's a new three part series that goes to air on SBS in October and I've put together a a book which is a collection of 60 recipes, about 20 from Matthew and 40 from lots of other chefs around Australia. So how do you flick a recipe from one of your mates? (laughs) Well in this instance I didn't have to because the time frame was so short. Uh, I I took what I could get but they were all pretty good. Good good chefs, good recipes. I don't ask chefs that I don't think will give me good recipes for recipes. That's true, that's true. Okay, so I think now you need to go on your trip. Yes, I do. I agree. I need to go on my trip, for sure. Now, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, have you got a website? 
I don't, but I'm working on one. It's one of the things that I also need to do later on this year. But I can always be found at info at birdcowfish.com.au. Excellent. That's info at birdcowfish.com.au. If you want to get in touch with Alex Herbert, who might be able to consult to you. And I'm on Instagram at birdcowfish. And I have a birdcowfish, Alex Herbert, birdcowfish Facebook page. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'm not coming to your dinner tomorrow night, but can I snaffle some apple crumble anyway? Thank you, Alex. Um, You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS. You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. And you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. I'm joined by Matt Galinsky, who's one of Queensland's finest chefs. And you're a Noosa boy, is that right? Have you always been a Noosa boy or a Queensland boy? I'm a Sunshine Coast boy. I grew up in... that's, That's what I meant, Sunshine Coast. I grew up in a place called Palmwoods, which is just sort of south west of there, I suppose. No, I went to Namble High, so okay. me and Kevin Rudd, we were a few, <laughs> year, few years apart. But, um, yeah, so I kind of grew up on the Sunshine Coast. I moved, I, I um, ignored my parents and, you know, relatives' ideas of the idea that I should go and do an apprenticeship at the Big Pineapple. And, <laughs> I, uh, and I moved Don't to... Don't knock the Big no, Pineapple. No, 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 nothing wrong with that. No, I could I'd probably be making a very good Sunday right now. But I decided to move to Brisbane and do my apprenticeship down there and then... Did a lot of, I mean, I, I, we're, here we are sitting in Port Douglas. I finished my apprenticeship. I bought a dodgy old Bedford van and I travelled around Australia for a year just fishing and reading. And, oh, and, how um, awesome. And this is one of the places I came and fell in love with, so it's really lovely to be back here. Uh, but um, I kind of did all that. I travelled Australia, I travelled the world and then decided that it was time to go home and move back to the coast. Oh. So that's kind of been my home now for the last, I know, 12 years or so, I suppose. Yeah, and, right. Um, I just love it up there. I mean, Noosa, you've got a captive audience of diners. Yes. It's a bit like up here, you know, people come Well, it's kind of like Melbourne, Noosa. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, it is. Well, minus the weather, of course, you know, and everything. A lot of people do. They fly up from Sydney and Melbourne to escape mm. the cold and, mm. and they want to go there and just relax and eat. Mm. So what are you doing here at Port Douglas at the Taste of Port Douglas Food Festival? Um, so Alistair McLeod and I are doing a dinner at Salsa on Saturday night. Um, we've been, uh, we were asked to do a locavores dinner. So mm. What does that mean? What, well, it's kind of what we do... What both of us individually, where we're both from, is kind of, I guess, source out what local produce is around. I mean, yeah. it's the catch cry of all chefs these days, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I source local produce and yes. I, you know, blah, yes. blah. You know, from our point of view, both of us are food ambassadors in our own region. Mm-hmm. So I'm food ambassador for the Gympie region. Al does Lockyer. So we actually spend a lot of time actually going out and meeting and getting to know the producers out That's there. That's awesome. Oh, it's a, you know, to me, it's the most rewarding part of being a yeah. chef is actually going to farms and seeing how things are grown. Yeah. Really getting to know the people, you know. We, you know, I'd say Ella would say the same thing, but you know, you get to know their kids' names, their name of their dog. So you go to the farm and it's like, hey, Rusty, you know, family. Yeah, you are. And I guess probably getting to know how things grow and Mm. the situation that they're grown in gets you a lot closer to understanding how to cook those things. Do you know, on a very small scale, I can I hear you because yep. my front garden at my house is quite something to behold and I'm in, in a city in Melbourne, so yep. it's, you know, not huge. Yeah. I do grow a lot of food, though, in the front garden mm. and when I grow those spring onions, I want to use every single bit of it. I don't yeah. just chuck it in the bin like I normally would. Absolutely. I waste so much less, A, because... Uh, well, mostly just because I understand how long that's taken Absolutely. to get from a seed or a seedling yeah. where I can pick it and use it and eat it. Yeah. And I will find a way of putting that spring onion into every single dish, even cakes. Absolutely. It's a whole new <laughs> level of respect, isn't it? For it that is, ingredient. yeah. And, uh, and that's and I a guess, really important thing. Yes, and I guess and as a chef, you know, you'd have to... Um, at the end of the day, you have to make money. 
so you have to be mindful of wastage yep. and making your ingredients go a long way. So I think you'd have that double incentive, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, it's all about being an economist. You know, being a, a chef of a restaurant is not about just cooking good food. It's it's a whole lot of things. Mm. You become like the social worker for, you know, your staff. Yes. The, you know, oh. young, especially you're working with young kids that are like 18, 19. Yes. They're, they're young girls that have just broken up with their boyfriend oh. and you've got to talk them through. I've got a 15-year-old. Don't even. And, you know, mm. there's all that. There's also the the, the economic side of things. Mm. If you're not making money mm. for somebody mm. or for yourself, then mm. there's no point really being there. Like, yeah. you, you're wasting your time. So you've got to tread that line. And yeah. it's true. Like, Wastage is a big part of our yeah. industry and it's a sad part of our industry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the more that you can respect that produce and, and make the most of it, for sure. But I think, yeah, I, I, I get a real buzz out of going. I, w- I was at a, um, a blueberry farm in to- near Toowoomba mm. a few weeks ago as part of a, a lunch I was doing out mm. in that region. And I went to a blueberry farm with, and I, saw, and I, tr- I tasted 20 varieties of blueberries what? that this guy got me to try. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you just say 20 mm. varieties of yep. blueberries? Do you know what? This is going to make me sound stupid. I thought there was one. I know. Well, so did I before that day. I thought... Yeah, it changed my whole world. Really? Some of them were the size of 50 cent pieces. So, to my point of view, like, that, that totally that is, changed okay, my I've just, understanding I, of blueberry world. Okay, you know what? I reckon <laughs> that's got to win a prize, Matt. <laughs> but you're going to win a prize now yes. because you have just taught me something I didn't know. Excellent. Yeah, no, that was a real eye-opener. And just and to meet that farmer and him to be so enthusiastic yeah. and so passionate about what he was doing and yes. wanting to show us, you know, all these different hybrids that they've come up with. And, and they're, you know... They'll trial a patch, a, a, a few rows of a certain hybrid and then go, no, not commercially viable, rip them out, try again. Yes, you know, you know, trial you and error. I could go back there next year and there'd be like probably another three I could try. Now, what are you cooking at Salsa? Well, like I said, we're doing the locavores dinner, yes. myself and Al. What's so your dish, though? My dish is the pork dish, so... Mm. There's a local pork producer around Happy here. Happy pigs. To get, Happy yeah, pigs. that's it, and that's important too. Yeah. Um, I decided to go for, the, you know, I mean, it's a real tropical thing up here mm. and it's things that we often, we, you know, they're probably a no-brainer up here, mm. but down there we've got to try hard to get. So I'm using taro, I'm using mm. green papaya. It's very tropical, very Asian-inspired. Okay. I'm using galangal, I'm using um, peanuts. Peanuts are coming from Atherton yeah. Tablelands. Sounds very fresh and beautiful. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that real Thai Texture. sort of... Do you go to Thailand or how do you get your inspiration for these sorts of dishes? Look, I have spent a lot of time in Thailand um, and, and throughout Asia. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it, and it's uh, it's that sort of style of food that's really suited to here. You mm. go into the world of restaurants around here, and they're doing that style of food because it's it's all. You oh, know, we're so we're close here, to we're Asia here in winter, yeah. And it's and it's what is it? Thirty degrees today, so twenty six. Don't exaggerate, but it's Sorry. perfect. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's the sort of food you want to eat when you're up here. Yeah, you don't need you know cocker van. You want yeah. you want to eat green papaya and you yeah. want to eat prawns and bugs and fish and things like that. Oh, look, it's so, so wonderful to meet you. Yeah, you too, yeah. Hopefully um, you see you around over this weekend, hey? Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, now that we've met some Queensland blokes, Mm. we're going to be uh, calling you a little bit more often on our show to get some Queensland... That would be lovely. I'd love to do yeah, that. Perspective. Call me, call me anytime. Thank Matt, you. it's your show. It's your show at the bar. Come on. <laughs> okay. You're listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio NTS. This is Nerida Conway, and I've been chatting to Matt Galinsky, chef in Sunshine Coast.